Teabag as it's Will here. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks to everyone who bought one of the t-shirts. Uh, I know that they've been arriving, so make sure that you post pictures on Twitter and Facebook, So, um, I, and I will repost them in your new Tofop t-shirts. And uh, James Fosdyke has designed a brand new t-shirt, We're Back, We're Bad, You're Black, I'm Mad. You might have seen the picture on the Facebook page. It looks, it looks unreal. It's probably the best one yet. I think it's so cool. So they'll be on sale up until... Uh, when this season of TOEFOP is over. So this is uh, episode five of the return season and we recorded eight. So there's still a few more to go after this. So the t-shirts will be available for all that time. Then we'll cut it off at the end of that and uh, and get Angelo onto them and uh, send it out to you. So you can find that at Astoy Merchandise and I'll give you all more information about that when... Um, when I have it and they're up and about, um, I'm not going to linger long. I do, I, want, I do want to say I've got a bunch of gigs coming up, though. I'm in LA for the next sort of week and a half, and I'm doing gigs all around town. There's a couple of really good gigs and some long spots and prompter and stuff like that. So check out my Twitter or Facebook, and I'll post all the details there if you're looking to come and see me in LA. Uh, then from the 16th to the 19th, I'm doing some spots in New York. I won't bore everyone here with those spots, but if you're in New York and you want to come and see me, check out my Twitter and my Facebook, and I'll be plugging those gigs. And then the week after that, I'm at Just for Laughs in Montreal. So I'm doing the Australian shows all week with uh, Hilsey and Felicity Ward and Joel Creasy and Husey. They're going to be amazing shows. But the big one is on the 26th, Saturday 26th. If you are in Montreal or if you're near Montreal or if you know somebody who's near Montreal, if you could tell them to come out and see my solo show with Luminati. Uh, it's the first time. I think it's my sixth uh, visit to Montreal and this is the first time I've ever done a solo show there. So... It's kind of a big deal for me, so if you think anyone would enjoy that, please do send them along to that show. All right, I'm going to get out of your way. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I do apologize in advance. I read a lot of stuff off the internet, and it turns out I'm not that good at reading. Uh, but other than that, I hope you enjoy it, uh, and thanks for your support. We'll talk to you soon. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. That's awesome. Is it a gritty reboot? We've been talking about Batman, like usual. <laughs> World War's Life. It's free, you know. I travelled through time. Totally. Totally. That's sex with Kathy Bates. Well, you want a lazy Susan? <laughs> it's a total fact. The father of the button and the holy toast. Fire up the fucking flux capacitor and let's get guns. <laughs> now this is total Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we're making our way through the list. Yeah, we've got a list on the board. We still haven't got to Hot... Well, we've touched on Hot Woman and we've touched on M more. Yeah. Uh, we're getting sued and, by, uh, by the way, works, is, which is why we can't talk about Hot Woman because we're currently... They've served an injunction saying yeah. it's too close to Hot Chili Woman. Yeah. We're arguing that it's, uh, it's a it's restraint of trade. She's independently hot. It had yeah. nothing to do with chili. Well, you were going to... But there was that part of the story where you're going to tell me where you laid her down and put cream on her pie. <laughs> And her mama didn't like it. Her, her daddy did didn't like it. like it. They were both there. They were both sitting behind us. <laughs> <laughs> so I can sort of see why. That's how I knew. But they were upset the whole trip. They were upset about everything. They were upset about us putting our seats back. They yeah. were, yeah, they were. They were particularly upset with you wearing black leather pants and a pirate shirt. Amy got upset with me talking about that the other night. She overheard us when she was in the other room. What did we say? When I was talking about the hot woman, she, like I came out after the podcast, she was like, "So who's this hot woman?" I said that, though. It was on the fucking board. I said she was going to walk in and see that. I know. Well, it was a story about a hot woman I sat next to on the Did you play. tell her the story? Well, uh, so at least one person's heard it. Yes, yeah, she's heard it. She can come on the podcast and retell it, do a recap from her point of view. Yeah. She'll do, the, uh, she'll do the Talking Tofop episode. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. She said she tried to listen to it once and she was never going to listen again. Oh, really? Yeah, she did not enjoy it. What episode was it? I don't know. An episode. Mean Duels, I think. I don't what do think you normally... When people... Like, say, they want to listen to it. I normally tell them to... I say after, like, episode 30. <laughs> oh, yeah. So don't don't first... go back from the start. No, so it's not worth... Listen to the best dogs. Yeah. We've uh, done a recap. That's completely arbitrary. I have no idea where we were in our 30s. I can talk uh, I can talk to about this a little bit because it was really... Uh, well, something that was interesting. We haven't put up the live episode at this stage. But the live show we did during the Melbourne Comedy Festival, we 
made fun of uh, John Deeks. Well, we had some fun with John Deeks. We didn't make fun of John Deeks. We would never make fun of John Deeks. We're happy to have him involved in the program. But we made fun of the fact that he calls the podcast TOFOB. But then uh, in a recent best of, when I was listening back to it, to put the description together, I realized that at one stage we got him to do a bonus episode hmm. and an intro for the bonus episode where we called it Tofob. So that's and so he probably just had it on his got thing of yeah. like, you know, and we were like mocking him like, you you're an idiot, P and B, you're an idiot. Peanut butter, idiot. <laughs> Peanut butter? It's confused me even more. But it is amazing. I, I talked about it on the live show, but... To get the new intro for this, the return of Tofop, yep. I emailed him from my phone like 10.30 yesterday morning and he responded within five minutes with it recorded. Right. Like, you don't get that kind of service from iTunes. From people you pay. <laughs> <laughs> we should offer him payment. Uh, iTunes contacted me. Did I tell you about that? No. Yeah, so I got an email from iTunes, from someone at iTunes going, hey, we see the podcast is going well. Yeah, you know, do you want to have a meeting? Really? Yep. You tell me this. They were coming out to Australia and they were like, do you want to like, have is a meeting? Is this true? Yeah. You didn't dream it. <laughs> I dreamed it. Maybe I've dreamed this whole thing. I have terrible dreams. I'm not actually out. back. I dream You're of- sitting here talking to Ramona. <laughs> oh my God. You put this- a little Charlie wig on her. This is my fight club moment. Yeah. I've been doing the, like people are listening to it and they're like, it sounds like he's having a one-sided <laughs> yeah. conversation. It's like that when but he people- keeps, he keeps pretending that Charlie's back. It's like when people take the Garfield comic strip and they, and they take Garfield out of it. It becomes, <laughs> instead of like a comedy, a uh, bit of comedy entertainment becomes a really like depressing oh, story of one man's loneliness. It's like it's it's actually if you don't on, I follow that on Tumblr like you know Garfield without Garfield and um, it's it's really like wonderful and fascinating <laughs> and dark and weird. <laughs> so like Tofop without Charlie. So some people have asked me like you know about Fofop yeah. like you know and they're like yeah now that you're back doing the podcast and we're only doing a limited season because we didn't have time but. Um, so I'm going to continue doing Fofop and then they were kind of asking me where, you know, so how does that fit into the world? And yeah. I like to think that Charlie's writing on the board for the first time, by the way, and he's just written art. Yeah. Just art, man. And that is my, all, that's all my statement. <laughs> <laughs> we just leave it there, man. Yeah. It's like Banksy, but you write really obvious things. <laughs> <laughs> this is art. <laughs> Graffiti. <laughs> Graffiti uh, He's like Banksy without the subtlety. I love him. Um, yeah, so uh, I like to think that it's like it, it, to use a quantum mechanics or quantum physics sort of scenario. You know, the idea of multi worlds or multi like universes, and that every moment, like you know, moments split into like multi universe theory. So I like to think that Fofop exists in like a universe where you never came back, but yeah, this right. is the universe where you came. Sliding back, doors, and now they exist like simultaneously. Yeah. Like, um, there's one Gwyneth Paltrow, there's one Charlie. And people at home can sit at home, but they can actually be like, oh, I like the universe where he didn't come back. (laughs) (laughs) I hate those people. (laughs) It's okay, they're not not listening to this. (laughs) Uh, What I was going to say, why I so enigmatically scrolled art, is uh, you mentioned how eerie and wonderful... Garfield is without Garfield. Yeah, I was watching. Um, uh, there's a guy called Pogo. I think someone uh, uh, posted a link to it on the Facebook page. Yeah, and what he basically does is takes films. Like the reason the person posted it was as a Back to Back to the Future. Justin Hobson. Justin Hobson is the person who. Uh, oh, does he do it? And I know that because oh. Justin Hobson is also the teabagger who uh, edits our best of episodes. Yeah. Do, uh, are they his videos? Uh, no, but oh, he's the guy who posted, posted it on it. our Facebook page. Yeah. And thanks to Justin, by the way, who, uh, when I was putting all the clues on the Facebook page where I had the, like, the... Because he's... Okay, so I was trying to do, like, a, a subtle sort of teaser campaign for the fact that you were coming back. And it was in when the sad Batman meme was going around where sad Batman was in the back of everything. And someone posted an old photo, which I posted after the Tofop. So me in a Tofop t-shirt, looking sad, and then sad Batman. So I started posting that with, like, Batman quotes that were all about, like, return or rise or whatever. Yeah. That was my little teaser. And I had the date, and then I had... The number 84. So I had it like the numbers from Lost. That was what I was going yeah, for, yeah. right? And I wanted to know who would work the shit out first. And uh, uh, there was a couple of people who were like 84. That's like the, the, yeah, the, the next, last, episode, the of next episode of Tofop. And some people kind of got it. And some people were just pissed off I was fo- posting the same photo all the time. But Justin, 
who I then had to message like yeah. out of the blue going, hey, uh, Charlie's coming back on the weekend. Do you reckon we could get all the best stuff done? So Because I thought it'd be cool if we could be up to date yeah. on the best stuff, the old ones before the Ready new ones started. So, so a real refresher. Yeah. So yeah. a big thank you to Justin for doing that. I appreciate yeah. that. So anyway, he posted that thing. Yeah. So, and this guy Pogo, so he takes popular films and he recuts them as like music videos. Yeah. But you don't hear quotes or anything. It's just, it's quite surreal. It's sort of like, just, it's kind of, I guess it's techno or, or, or something, but it's just, it's, it's a bit like a Chris Cunningham kind of music video. Right. It's just odd. He takes images you know and it becomes quite surreal and repetitive and stuff. But it's really like cool. And I was thinking, I was watching going, this is kind of, this is art. Like he's taken something that is like so popular, like Back to the Future, and recut it. I mean, obviously he can't have. <laughs> oh, by the way. If if a morning show ever wants like you know how they have those like you know breakfast television shows and whatever and there's always the third network in Australia Channel Ten that are trying to put a new alternative in mm. but it's always got to be the same format because there's something about breakfast television like breakfast radio where people want to know the weather they want to know the entertainment news they want to know what's going on in the news you know that yeah. sort of thing they should get you sitting on a fucking chair. Like reviewing music <laughs> because I love the idea of like your whole review then was like like it's just I guess it's like techno or something <laughs> but like it repeats and it's like weird but surreal and there's no lyrics but man I think it's art man I think it's art four stars <laughs> world's worst reviewer it's, but it, it did make me think that like it was just it was it was entertaining stuff and it was different enough from the source material for me to think it was valid right and like Garfield without Garfield it's like I think people could argue well there's no creativity in that but the well, of idea of it like even having the idea in the first place that Garfield would be this weird fight club esque thing without Garfield in it yeah it's like it's a cool idea I mean I just I I guess like. When people start monetizing that, just say, I don't know if the Garfield without Garfield makes any money. Oh, yeah, he's massive. But, he's like the Kanye of memes. <laughs> but, like, does Jim, if you were Jim Davis, yeah. would you say, shut that shit down? Mate, you're sitting around on that sweet lasagna money. What the fuck do you care if you're Jim Davis? Do you know well, that, no, but, like, if it was you, like, just say. No, nah, I'm into it, man. Like, I say that to people about TOEFOB all the time. We have a bunch of dedicated people, like Justin, who I mentioned earlier, but like uh, Reed Parker. Parker, who does all the, like, you know, the kind of movie parodies. But other people do that as well. James Fosdyke, who started, you know, like doing our art in just a voluntary way and like sending us, like, you know, mm. cool stuff and whatever. So, no, I, I mean, and it's the thing that when we first started the podcast, the reason that we started the podcast, like for people who've never heard this story before, is that we both loved uh, the Kevin Smith podcast, Smodcast. Mm. And one of the things that I always loved about that was like they would do stuff and then people would go away out of that do and do like sort of fan fiction-y stuff, type stuff using that base material. Yeah. And now Kevin Smith's doing that. Yeah. Now Kevin Smith is taking stuff. his own conversations and turning them into movies so and stuff. Weird. I, See, I, that's I, our business plan, man. Like the business plan is that somebody thinks all this shit is interesting enough mm. that they listen to it and they go, that's our series. Like, we want to base a series around these guys' lives and their stories and whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so, like a Louis, but we're in... We know what it but is. But we're in Louis Vuitton chairs. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a basically a writer's room. Right. With no discipline. <laughs> like, it's a writer's room where you have the great ideas, right. but you can't be fucked writing it down. It'd be one of those great shows where they're like, you know what I love about this show? They never finished any of the stories. <laughs> like, they start all these through lines and yeah. none of them are ever complete. We become Holly. I know? bet that hot woman's really important <laughs> in the end. You know, like, script doctors that in the States, they'll have, like, someone who comes in and they just do dialogue or someone yeah. to punch it up with jokes punch it up, or whatever. Yeah. We're awesome. I would love a job, we're by awesome, the way, punching things up. We're awesome first act guys. Yeah. You want a fucking oh. fucked up crazy scenario? Oh, yeah. We have no idea how it ends. <laughs> we're guys that could be employed by theatre sports and improv groups to go around and sit in their audience and, and throw them out. good scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, do we have to do another Batman one? Is that like... No, yes. Daredevil. <laughs> You're Daredevil in this one. And you travel forward in time. <laughs> yeah. That's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they ranked in Rolling Stone the 20 best time travel films oh, about oh, yeah. a month ago. What were they? Back well, to what the do future? you reckon was number one? Back to the Future. No. 
Groundhog Day. Yes. That's my favourite time travel tra- film I think, of all time. Uh, I think Back to the Future. I just don't immediately think of that as a time travel film. Back to the Future was number five. Right. So can you remember what they were, the, the top 20? I mean, we can Google them. Let's Google okay, it. let's have a pause. Hang on. You have to send me that music, by the way. Okay, so we've got the computer, uh, the article, uh, for anyone who wants to uh, read along, is uh, Future Tense, the best 20 time travel movies. Okay, a number 20. Have we spoiled it by opening with Groundhog Day? Well, we've told them what's happening at the end, but it's a time travel thing, so that's, yeah. the, that's the joy. Now we've, <laughs> we've travelled back in time to number 20. <laughs> number 20, Donnie Darko. Yeah. Yeah, do you believe in? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean that was I, I, top twenty definitely. I think. Uh, but based on our like theory that like he hasn't done anything good since Donnie Darko, was that our theory, or did I talk to somebody else about that? Maybe it's someone else you talked to about that. Oh yeah, you know what's interesting about Donnie Darko is if you watch the director's cut, which is when he got to have his final cut. Yeah, it makes less sense. It's not as good as the studio cut. Yeah, I think that's maybe why he hasn't worked that much. Right. <laughs> Uh, okay, at number 20, Donnie Darko. Do you believe in time travel? Jake Gyllenhaal, in his breakout role, plays a disturbed teenager who starts getting warnings about the end of the world from a guy in a rabbit costume. Frank. This cult film by Richard Kelly is a puzzle about alternate universes and suburban vortexes. So I guess it's kind of a very, it's a tofop, fofop sort of film. Yeah, definitely. Like fofop was our, our Donnie Darko. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, uh, no matter which... Uh, no matter which cut you watch, you still get a moody, trippy slice of high school alienation and the best use ever of Tears for Fears Mad World. Well, yeah, that's, that's not true. a high. I mean, yes, that's true, but... Well, it was a low benchmark. I mean, yeah. What's, what's your second best? <laughs> <laughs> Give me your top three. <laughs> like, one of them's when Tears for Fears put that on an album. So, what's the other uh, one I'll, in I'll give three? you the other one. Class, uh, this has probably definitely happened. On a right. news program in the 80s, when they're going out to an ad break and oh, yeah. they're pro- promoing the upcoming segment, it would have been like Gorbachev and Reagan shaking hands to everybody wants to rule the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> just... Oh, parted on you? off me. Oh, Ramona. <laughs> Where are the oxygen tanks? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. she looks at you too. Like, what? Uh. what are you? Why are you reacting I like feel that? Violated. Yeah, the first time she's ever done that. It's, it's pretty gross. Uh. Um, uh. She's delightful otherwise, though. So she's got to have a downside. Uh. Um, all right. Well, it's really, I can't see you. Well, <laughs> John Carpenter's Ramona's farts. <laughs> Uh, all right, 19, The Lake House, 2006. I was surprised by this. Uh, this romance scores by having one of the weirdest time travel gimmicks ever. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock send letters to each other via a mailbox at a rental house, even though she's writing and reading them exactly two years after he is. That is a weird concept for, a, like, oh, it's a time travel film yeah. about mail. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even that good a film. I'm surprised. There's, I mean, there's a few exclusions from this list. But I'm surprised about that one. I enjoyed this in brackets, though. Many time travel movies don't make sense if you think about them too hard. This one doesn't make sense if you have an autonomic nervous system. What's that? That just means it doesn't make sense. Oh. All right, okay. So that's that's number, made it in number 19. All right, number 18 on the list. Let's have a look at what's at number 18. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Pass. Pass. Who cares? Don't it's not care. a fucking time travel film. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you on that. That is not a time travel film. Fuck you, Rolling Stone. Uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, pass. No, not a time travel film either. Don't give a shit. He does travel back in time, technically. Well, to, he's frozen in time. Yeah, but who gives a fuck? Uh, <laughs> the Navigator, A Medieval Odyssey. Never heard Never of it. Don't care it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like Norway's greatest film. Whatever, Norway. Tell your story, <laughs> Walker. Norway? I just I thought it was uh, Norway. Number 15, Peggy Sue Got Married. Not a bad film, but let's not linger on it. It doesn't really feel like a. It's not a. It doesn't feel like a, a proper time travel list. It sounds like, like we're pandering to. It's like poor man's Back to the Future. It was like, well, you we haven't got a Back oh, to sorry, the Future. Oh, sorry. I'm talking about the list. I think the list is pandering. Oh, okay, bit. right. I that's hear the what only you're reason you put in the fucking lake house. Right. No, that's Are you a good kidding point. me? All right. At number fourteen, they've got me. I'm in. 
Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Great time travel film. And I think, and this is a this is a, a, a minority view that Bogus Journey is better than Excellent Adventure. Oh no, Bogus Journey is great. Where it's they play excellent. like chess with like yeah, death with and death. stuff. Three out of five. <laughs> You may be a king or a little street sweeper, but right. sooner or later you dance with the, the reaper. reaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you loved that. I love that film. I, oh yeah, like, we should have a Bill and Ted's night. Yeah, that's great. Like an excellent adventure in a bogus journey. That's four hours well spent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are many other goofy time machine journeys through the past, from a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court to Mr. Peabody and Sherman. None of those, however, have brilliantly slack jawed performances by Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Absolutely true. Alex Winter never really worked quite as much he's as he should have. Now. Is he? Yeah, he's quite a good director. Well, Winter is coming. Is that what he... Like, I, bet that, <laughs> I bet that's what he screamed at, uh, when Doing he orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> Winter is coming. Yeah, honey, was, I know, sc- I know. He screamed it like five years. <laughs> yeah, like oh, she goes. At least this is better than when you used to call it your excellent adventure. <laughs> yeah. And she says the problem with winter coming is it always comes too early. Yeah, The premise: two SoCal teens need to locate famous figures of Western civilization so they won't fail history. See, that even by itself is like they've made a history movie. Yeah. Like that, that's going to make my Rolling Stone list of best history movies as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next. Uh, all right. Um, and uh, oh, this is my favorite. The, the most inspirational moment comes when Ted philosophizes with Socrates, or so- Socrates, Socrates, by quoting Kansas. Oh yeah, is dust in the wind. Dude. Yeah. Now yeah. the better jo- they, they beat that joke in Bogus Journey where they go to heaven, and they say, "God, you've made so many amazing things: the Earth, the Moon, Uranus." <laughs> and then they quote, "Every rose has its as a thorn." Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I'm Every so good. night has its dawn. dawn. <laughs> Every cowboy sings a sad, sad song, yep. and then death comes in. Every rose has a thorn. I love that movie. Okay, so As you should. It out. Number 13, safety not guaranteed. No, bullshit. The, triple bullshit. Not a good film. And the time travel happens right at the end. It's a, it's the premise. It's an indie comedy. And it's yep. one of those fucking delightfully quirky indie comedies starring delightfully quirky indie comics. Wasn't it a based on a true story though? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about a girl. Um, there's a guy advertising looking for a partner to go time traveling with yep. him and safety not guaranteed. Yeah. So she's a journalist. She goes out and covers the story. But, and spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. All right. That's enough. Spoiler. Spoilers. It ter- you think he's crazy as it turns out. He builds a time machine, he travels through time, that's how the film ends. Right. So it's not a time travel fucking film. Right. It ends with time travel. Yeah, okay. But it'd be right up there in movies that end with time travel. Yes. Uh, Galaxy Quest, I really enjoyed, but Is we don't need to linger on it. Well, yeah, yeah. no, because they come back, like, well, there's more like space, it's more like aliens visiting Earth, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. But anyway, whatever, that'll do. Um, Planet of the Apes, the yeah. 1968 version. Yeah, yeah. But do, is that a time travel film? See, look, when I think time travel... That's a travel, time travel film. I, I think jumping, jumping, jumping. Not like, oh, it's not the time I thought it was. Yeah, but that's still time travel. He's travelled through time. Yeah, all right. All right, okay. Um, number 10. Here, okay, we're getting to the... Hopefully, we're going to yeah. get some good ones now. The business end. Oh, By there, the way... There, there's one that I absolutely... Time Bandits with. at 10? Haven't seen it. It's actually a pretty good movie, but I wouldn't, again, think of that as like a time travel movie even though it's called Time Bandits uh, okay number nine Star Trek 4 The Voyage Home yes it's a yeah. Star Trek film not a time travel film again. well they travel through time I guess alright uh, number eight we have Time Cop Run Lola Run <laughs> yeah I mean that's a cheat That's see this is what I mean about their panda right. so they've thrown out a lake house for the romantic comedy yeah. people this is your indie you know, alternative cinema crowd, Run Lola Run. It, it is a time travel film, but it's a time, it's like, I guess it's Groundhog Day, essentially. Right. She repeats the same thing. I guess so. Or sliding doors, but, you know. <sighs> I mean. I don't, so, I would not. Oh, hang on. Number seven, Hot Tub Time Machine. I 100% agree with this. Like, that is no way that's a better film than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, for a start. I think it is. What? I, I, no. You think Hot Top Time Machine is better Hot than Top Bill Time and Ted's Machine Excellent is one of Adventure. my favourite films of the last 10 years. Hot Top Time Machine is funny enough, but it's not as good as Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No, I, I would rather watch You think Hot, that Hot Top Time Machine... I think there's more to Hot Top Time Machine than Bill and Ted's. What is more to it? 
I just think it's every time I watch it, I find something else. I think it's brilliant, and I just love. I love the scene when John Cusack gets his heart broken and his friends bust in and he's got the Kurt Cobain hat on, the Kurt Cobain sunglasses, and he's eating magic mushrooms and he's writing and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. And they're going, are you writing breakup poetry? <laughs> it's like, that's John Cusack, almost 50-year-old John Cusack, like eating magic mushrooms, just like Kurt Cobain writing breakup poetry. That alone makes it like one of my favorite right, films. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll take. I, I will rewatch Hot Tub Time Machine. I, I, I will stand by this. Okay. Hot Tub Time Machine, like Step Brothers, is another film that on first viewing you're like, Ugh, and then you rewatch it. You know what, Step Brothers? I'll, I'll go with you on Step Brothers. I didn't hate Step Brothers even the first time because right. I find those two dudes so hilarious funny. together. Yes, like, but I, I, yeah, I can't with you. But the, I do understand the idea that that is funnier the more you watch it. Yeah. Um, you know what I find in that category what? is that shitty, and it's not a great movie. But the more you watch it, the, the funnier I find it, which is um, uh, The Amazing Burt Wonderstone. Oh, Have you ever really? seen that yeah, film? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. I didn't First hate film, it. Yeah. Th- like there's there's enough really funny bits in it that like if you're just half watching it on Foxtel or whatever, you're like, this is, okay, this is making me laugh more than it probably yeah. should. All right, number six, Looper. Yes. Yeah. I mean, see, I would even... I would put Looper... I would put Looper behind Bill and Ted's. I'd say Bill and Ted's is better than Looper. But, but you think that Hot Top Time more, Machine is better than Looper? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, controversial. Something. But like. I think, but I think Looper is a because Looper is a it's a time travel film, but it's a I don't know it's it's I don't know kind of like an action film vibe. I don't know. I All just, right, I'm going to read you the description of Looper. I'm a sucker for the time travel genre. Director Ryan Johnson, who spelt his name his name spelled R I A N. Yeah, does not make me trust him. Rianne. Uh, told, uh, Rianne Johnson told Rolling Stone, if you're a nerd like I am, it's really fun to work out the map of how everything's going to work. But he made sure this movie about contract killers snuffing people sent back in time 30 years didn't feel like algebra homework. Instead, Looper has an aging hitman, Bruce Willis, confronting his younger self, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, JGL, for all its sci-fi inventiveness and thrills, the best scene is the two leads meeting at a diner, a young man looking his older self in the eye, determined not to turn into him. Mm. Okay. It sounds like they've ripped that off, to be honest, for the new X-Men film. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Uh, number five on the Rolling Stones list of the best 20 time travel movies. Primer. Okay. Well, okay. I love this movie. Okay. Have you seen it? Yeah. Look, in fact, I have it on my computer and it took me a little while to... Watch it the whole way through, but I you got to you got to. This is another repeat viewing one, but this uh, this is Shane Carruth's film. Yeah, made for seven thousand dollars. Yeah, an astonishingly low seven thousand dollars. It's a really good film, but it's what the thing that differentiates it from other time travel films is that no time do they attempt to explain or dumb down what they're talking about. Right, and it's written because I think he was a former engineer or something, so there is some sort of scientific jargon in there, but he doesn't water it down. So you literally sit and watch like a seven minute scene with two guys talking back and forth about how to make this machine work. And they're going through different scenarios and what they can use. And they don't ever stop and say, well, this is uh, something that does that. You just have to listen and, and find out what's happening. It's really, it's kind of bold like that, but it's an excellent, excellent film. And, and Shane Carath, Ryan Johnson, when he made Looper made this big fuss because everyone regards um, Primer has been like you know the most scientifically accurate time travel film, which even the director says is impossible. Because right, because it, time travel doesn't is exist. impossible. Yeah. yeah, so there is no way to be the most accurate to something that doesn't exist. But amongst nerds, because it turns out that time travel might be operated by me rubbing my head. Really <laughs> yeah, <hard>. yeah. <laughs> but Primer is is held up by nerds as being like you know this kind of highbrow highbrow time travel film. Yeah. So when Ryan Johnson made Looper. He did this press, like it came out in the press, that Shane Carruth was a consultant on the film. Uh-huh. And so all the nerds were like, oh, fuck, that's cool, man. Get the director from Brick, you know, and the guy who, who made Primer, and they'll make an excellent kind of entertaining time travel film. So I went to a screening of Shane Carruth's new film, which is called Upstream Color, which is excellent, but completely incomprehensible. <laughs> like, you thought Primer was, like, confusing. This For is- people who didn't understand Primer comes a brand new movie. You will have no Even more incomprehensible. Yeah. You know what it is? It's that, it's that scene from The Simpsons where uh, Homer's watching Twin Peaks and he's like, this is brilliant. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's exactly what I felt watching this film because it is 
like beautifully shot and amazing, but it's like there's pigs running around a pen. Now we're in a subway. I, I, but there is a narrative to it. It's right. just completely incomprehensible. Anyway, so he did a Q and A afterwards, and I was it completely incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just came out and went bucket hat stand shoe polish porn. Good night. <laughs> Goodbye. Hello. <laughs> It'd be great if he really dumbed it down. He went the opposite way. Yeah. Like all the pe- these he people. He rode like- out in a tricycle wearing a hat with a little propeller on it. The Misha ran, Misha and Karath. The me mate film. Put film in camera. It's like this guy made upstream color. I want to see him make the next Adam Sandler film. Yeah. I want to see him make whatever that Drew, what is that blended, you know, the Drew yeah, Barrymore yeah. film. I want to. I want to see Shane Carath Carath make Blended Two, <laughs> even more blended. Just like really <laughs> moody, like one takes of Adam Sandler mumbling to someone in a corner, and you don't quite know what he's talking about. Oh, the hair, the shampoo is better. Did you see that article on the AV Club where he? Wait, 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 do you want to hear my Shane Carath story? Oh yeah, of course. So at the queue, I put my hand up to ask a question, and I say, um, uh, "Oh, I I loved uh, I love Primer, and I." got really excited when I heard you were going to be a consultant on Looper because I read that paper. So what did you do on Primer, uh, on, on Looper? And it's like, yeah, he's gone. That's funny because I read that too. He said that basically uh, Ryan Johnson reached out to him and said, hey, man, could you read my script for me? And I said, sure, but I'm not a like a physicist or anything. Like I, used, I was an engineer. Like, you know, I just made up a lot of the stuff that's in Primer. Yeah, yeah. So I read it. And um, he said he had a couple of notes, but there was just one. I think that there was one scene that he suggested that never happened. I think they were going to, it's like a CGI sequence. But he said, but that was it. And he's gone, then all I read in the press is like, Shane Carruth has given his seal of approval. Like, Shane Carruth. It's like, well, I, I, I didn't say anything bad about right. it. But I did not give it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Said, look, everything you say is incomprehensible to people. <laughs> He thought he got your seal of approval. <laughs> All right. Let's Primer number f- at number five. Okay, so we're getting good to the good end now. Uh, number four. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Is it Back to the Future? It's taking quite a long time to <gasps> load. It's like we're going to an ad break. It's like, it's like a drum roll. Yeah. It's like building up the tension. Yeah. What is it going to be? Back to the Future? Come on. Well, it hasn't come up. Like it literally still is. Still loading. Still loading. Uh, maybe Robert Zemeckis has gone back in time or it he's just be, reordering the order or it may be the fact that Ramon has fallen asleep on my <laughs> mouse pad <laughs> yeah it's probably most likely that uh, number four Back to the Future ah, should be number one but funny thrilling unbelievably eatable yes yes uh, when Marty McFly travels to 1955 and accidentally yeah here's the thing so they always so he's it was made in 1985, and they travel back to 1955. It's like thir- it's the same amount of distance. We're into the future yeah. as much as they went back to the fucking future. Yeah. yeah. So what was what's 30 years? It's uh, 1984. That would be Back to the Future now. It'd be you going back to 1984, right? Or a teenager going back to 1984. What's with all these choose life t-shirts? <laughs> I got a jitterbug. <laughs> I do the jitterbug. Hey, George. <laughs> He's things, so hunky. Things are going to get weird. <laughs> See, that's more hot tub time machine than back in the future. Um, all right. Funny, it's really, yeah, okay. Um, travels back to 1955 and accidentally prevents his parents uh, getting together. His mother transfers her affections to him instead. Fortunately, Fox doesn't have to pluck out his eyes. Instead, he labors to make his parents fall in love so that he will actually be born. Best subtle joke, McFly knocks down a tree in 1955. Back in 1985, a shopping centre has changed its name from the Twin Pines Mall to the Lone Pine Mall. Okay. A film that is filled with brilliant comedic moments. Right, brilliant. That is the best joke? No, That's it's the best not. Joke. Rolling Stone. What about my density has popped me to you? Oh, okay. I've got to go with uh, number three. I, I'm going to give them a big pat on the back for this one. I'm into this. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Great film. Is that better than, is it better than one? Yep, definitely. I guess James so. Cameron's best film, Terminator 2, I reckon. It's like my favourite of James Cameron's aliens. film anyway. I think I, I think I like Aliens more than I like okay. Maybe Aliens is better, but I like Terminator 2 more than I like any of his other yeah, films. Yeah, I must admit, like although Terminator is kind of like 
the original. It's more entertaining. To it. It's Terminator. Is Terminator great. just has a little bit too much kind of saccharine, though. Like the thumbs up at the end, and you know the oh, robot yeah, but at the time, you know, and like you could be mine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was just, the best time. Well, like, like when you saw it as a yeah. kid, your fucking mind exploded. This right? movie is a celebration of everything this era is about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> guns and roses, excess, big guns, big muscles, violence. Lessons that we won't learn in the next twenty years. <laughs> um, you're tr- that's right, though. I mean, because if you think about it, that's quite a watershed moment. The first time you saw CGI well integrated into a film, mate. When like witchcraft, the, when like, the when guy walks out melts, of the fire, and, oh, yeah. so good. But like we were like peasants who were shown like fire for the first time, we're right? Like, <laughs> right now, we burned the screen down at my cinema. <laughs> witchcraft. <laughs> Three people killed themselves <laughs> in the cinema. Cut their throats. I was so terrified. <laughs> the projectionists were burnt as witches. <laughs> oh, Ramona. Speaking of witchcraft. Oh, God, Ramona. It's bad, right? Oh, it's terrible. That's, that is a war crime, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they should get Ramona at Guantanamo Bay one day a week. <laughs> That's not funny. Torture's not funny. It's not funny, but it'd be funny if she was doing it. I'm now talking through my T-shirt. <laughs> we both that. We look like those Al Qaeda videos you see where people hide their faces. I was born in the darkness. You um, adopted it. Uh, okay, so uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a killer, cyborg, coming from the future. Are there any other kind? To kill white... Yeah, we make so many movies about killer cyborgs, yet as a civilization, all we do is embrace technology <laughs> and everything that's like... Yeah. like We literally are heading... Like, it's like people saw this and went, that's a good yeah. plan, let's have a crack at that. I read this good book um, about uh, by this futurist, which is like 25 things you need to know about the future, and uh-huh. he talked about artificial intelligence. And he said, like, the great arrogance of humans when it comes to sort of developing AI and technologies that, well, when they reach human levels of understanding, then it's like, that is not the highest evolution of intelligence. We are not the most intelligent things. Computers won't follow our path. Like it would be very inefficient to design something that mimics human behavior. What you want is something that excels as complete Well, logic. that's what we don't like get at all because we're more evolved than the last generation and the last generation were more of like, I mean, you can see that even in our, the things that we think and the, you know, the way that we use technology and the way we interact as human beings. Like every generation like evolves and we will be seen as very much Neanderthal and old fashioned to the future generations. I understand that. Um, but the thing that like robots when we make them smart enough when we make artificial intelligence smart enough to make itself smarter they'll skip by humans it won't even be a stop on that Mm. there won't even be a point where we go oh they're getting as smart as us because one day they'll be like like two before us and then they'll have just leapfrogged over us because we are in no way a destination no like in evolution they're not aiming for equal status no No, it's like it's not like you know. I, I mean, I don't know what the equivalent it would be in the animal world, but like the flies looking around at the fucking bee and be like, I can fucking take the bee. <laughs> like, all right, okay. So, um, hang on, I've shut my computer now. It's turned off. It's the robots hearing us talking about. Yeah, them, I was going to say they know we're onto them. Um, yeah, I mean, which I, is why Transformers is such a fucking inherently stupid film that the most evolved or like. There is an a technology. There's an organic robotic right. race. Yep, and they have adopted all the foibles of human form in terms of inefficient use of limbs. Uh, the uh, foibles of human form, <laughs> and they turn into human technology from the eighties. <laughs> like the best idea we could have to how to do things in the eighties is what this advanced Super robot race, ro- organic robot race, ridiculous. Uh, all right, so we said it first. Transformers <laughs> is ridiculous. All right, okay. So uh, number two, because we already know what number one is, is Groundhog Day. Um, but uh, let's see what if we can find what uh, number two is, and then uh, do you remember what number two is now? That what was number three? That? Number three was Terminator Two. Oh yeah, number Judge two. I think it's some arty French film. Oh really? Yeah. If it is, that's going to be really disappointing oh. to me. I don't want it to be. Oh, is it? It's not uh, the Woody Allen. It's well, not Midnight in Paris or something. Wizard of Oz. Midnight in Paris is a time is travel Wizard of Oz film. A time travel if film? you were going to put an art house film on, why wouldn't you put Midnight in Paris? That's an because they've got film. Looper. Primer. They've got Primer as the art house choice. Yeah, I guess so. But what have you seen? About Time, the new Richard Curtis film. Yeah, I have. That's really good. You know what? 
I'm not sure that I agree with you. Shut You're right. the front door. La Jetete, yeah. a, a gorgeous 28-minute French film. Well, that's 28 minutes. Fuck you. Where Are there laser beams? Uh, no. How about we time travel to your second hour? Let's try that first. <laughs> <laughs> time travel to me not downloading your film. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, number one is Groundhog Day. Uh, yeah, no, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I, I really like, loved it. I, I, I thought the message of it was was like beautiful. I, I must find myself. If you older. ever get to time travel, read more books. Yeah, that message. No, they're living the, each day twice. One day right. to kind of fucking just deal with life, and yeah. then one day to, to just enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. No, I, I look. You're right. That was a lovely moment, but I just didn't feel like it was quite funny enough. Or you don't believe that any guy with a chance to time travel and have sex with Margot Robbie would turn that opportunity down. I don't believe that. <laughs> in fact, I know people who know Margot Robbie and I was just hoping that at some stage I would bump into her in this time and try to have sex with her. I know it won't happen, but I, I just want the opportunity to try. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I found it very Richard Courtesy too, which I... Oh, yeah, it's um, definitely very Richard Courtesy. Yeah. Like it's always, there's a lot of bumbling English, delightfully awkward humour. Yeah, well, the lead guy does a good job, I thought. Yeah. I thought he was very good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I know I love Bill Nighy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? Bill Nighy. <laughs> you know, he floated with Amy once, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was there that night. Were you? Not when it happened, but she came to oh, dinner from right. him and flirting. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to say. I or she that. came from dinner where he flirted to a bar or something anyway. It yeah. was the same night. European in Melbourne, Spring Street. That's where it happened. Um, Imagine if your surname was like a heavy metal singer hitting a high note. Nahi. It's great. Uh, Groundhog Day. Time travel doesn't... You know what? I'm not even going to read what they fucking had to say about uh, Groundhog Day. Here's what I'm going to do. Because I've told the story... What about Time and Again? That one uh, with What's-His-Face, Roddy McDowell. Is it Time and Again? Time after time? Before time? After time. (laughs) There's a time travel film from the 80s and it's about H.G. Wells actually travels through time chasing Jack the Ripper. Fuck, what's that film called? It's good. A Rip in Time? About time? Should be called A Rip in Time if he's chasing Jack the Ripper. What's that friggin' called? Time and again? Time after time. You say go slow. (laughs) I fall behind. Um, Uh, All right. I'm going to read through the Wikipedia entry for Groundhog Day because we've talked so many times on this podcast about Groundhog Day and mm-hmm. I might on well on Fofop as well. So we ironically we repeated Groundhog Day talking about Groundhog Day by re- talking about Groundhog Day. Yes, exactly. But I've told a lot of stories about this film. So let's finally once and for put all put it to bed. Put it to bed and not approach any of, of the, the topics on the things board. that are on the board. Today, We're going rogue. Hey, today is our Groundhog Day. <laughs> Imagine me I like Independence Day making that speech. Groundhog Day. I think, I think they got it. Is a 1993 American comedy film directed by Howard Ramis, rest in peace, uh, and starring Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott. It was written by Ramis and Danny Rubin, based on a story by Rubin. Now, I've told the story a lot of times about Rubin on the podcast and how many hours he thinks. Uh, and I've told that story inaccurately so many times that today we clear up once and for all how many hours Danny Rubin <laughs> thinks he was there. That's that's the one thing I promise all of you. Uh, Murray plays Phil Connors. You're not going to go through the whole synopsis. Yes, I am. The whole. Well, we'll have fun with it. All right. Do you not want to have fun? No, I'm no one have some fun? stretching. I'm like, oh, it's it's I was in a very relaxed position, but now I'm going to get into battle mode. Murray plays Phil Connors. and arrogant and egocentric Pittsburgh this is from Groundhog Day the pantomime (laughs) that we're putting together (laughs) you know Tim Minchin the comedian the Australian comedian who won a Tony for his musical Matilda Matilda. he is working on a musical version of Groundhog Day oh really that would be a massive success I think I think so god he's doing a DreamWorks film as well what what have you ever done well, not, not that much. <laughs> exactly. I went and saw, like, when I was a well-established act, I made his day by going and seeing his show that nobody was seeing during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. He owes everything to you. No, but I'd just like to, yeah, at least I, that was my... <laughs> that's the hipster. That's my one moment. I knew him before he got I big. knew him before. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, during a heated assignment covering the annual Groundhog Day event in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Uh, Punxsutawney find- Phil. 
finds himself in a time loop repeating the same day again and again. After indulging in hedonism and numerous uh, suicide attempts, he begins to re-examine his life and priorities. Okay, great. I'm not going to read through the whole plot, but I am going to try to um, find... Trivia. Trivia. Um, oh, hang on. The Making a Sequel with Ashton Kutcher. Please tell me it's true. Uh, all right, okay. Um, so I'm going to find, I'm going to type into Google how many, what, what was my question? How many years was Phil in Groundhog Day? Was Phil in Groundhog Day? Hang on, is it Phil? Is that the character's name? Or is it it's no, the, the gopher? That was the, <laughs> that was, that's a Groundhog. It's not called <laughs> Gopher Day. <laughs> you fucking idiot. It's in the title of the film. You know that Bill Murray film that Rolling Stone called the number one time travel <laughs> film of all day? Gopher Day. You guys haven't, you guys not watching Gopher Day? Don't you guys don't like Gopher Day? It's a well, great film. <laughs> we were playing um, Pictionary once with some friends. It's got that great actor, Go for Trace. I know, so we were playing uh, charades with some friends mm. <clears throat> one night, and uh, one of them, one of them was oh shit, I know, just cut don't that name last him. bit out. Don't name him. Oh no, we're cutting that whole bit out. You can't well, tell that story. I know the punchline. I don't know the setup. Okay, how many? Oh years? yeah, here we go. All right. <laughs> Go, go the clue was Wayne, the movie was Wayne's World so I was up there trying to sign out Wayne's World and so I'd given them the first word first so everyone knew that it was world so then I went back to the first word and I said sounds like and I was trying to find uh, sounds like Wayne so they had world so I started going like this like oh like I'm in pain so they go pain world Wayne, Wayne's World so I'm doing that and one of the girls goes oh I know stab world <laughs> it was like hang on is there a film called Stab World? It's a great film, though. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I saw Stab World 2, and to be honest, they told me you did not have to have seen Stab World to <laughs> understand Stab World 2. Uh, that, is a, that is a movie like The Purge you could pitch, Stab World. For one day, it is legal to stab anyone that you want. And they call it Stab World Day. It's like The Purge. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, here we go. Just how many days does Bill Murray really spend stuck reliving Groundhog Day? Uh, According to Rick Rubin, okay, his name. Okay, so director Harold Ramis has sort of already answered it on the DVD commentary of the film. Ten years, he reckoned. And then later, in response to several sites online running an article that came to the answer of just eight years, eight months, and 16 days, he offered the following. I think the 10-year estimate is too short. It takes at least 10 years to get good at anything. Is this Ramis or the writer? This is Ramis. Uh... 10 years estimate too short. It takes at least 10 years to get good at anything. And allotting for the downtime and misguided years he spent, it has to be more like 30 or 40 years. Holy shit. Right, okay. That's that's pretty good. Okay. Um, all right, hang on. I'm going to try. I think I would put Back to the Future ahead of Groundhog Day for me. I think Back to the Future is by far and away my favourite. I mean, it's a great film. What what would you would you put Groundhog Day? Yeah, Groundhog Day is up there with my favorite films. Yeah, me too. Of all time. Well, I think, but I think Back to the Future is my favorite film of all time. So it's taken on like the number one crown. I don't think Groundhog Day is up there. I uh, probably watch Back to the Future more than any other film. All right, let's see if I've got um, that and Cool as Ice with Vanilla Ice. I mean, that is a great film though. Yeah. How do you melt a girl with a heart of stone? Just add ice. Who is this? Who's answered this one? Well, drop the zero. Get with the hero. <laughs> I based my whole life around cool as ice. My entire life philosophy. That's Why do you think I'm wearing these hammer pants? Oh, and this Dan- black studded jacket with a black matching cap. And I ride a yellow motorbike. Okay. Um, Danny Rubin. I found an answer from Danny Rubin on a movie uh, website. Sorry, it did sound like I was a little bit distracted um, while you were... Talking about vanilla eyes. I'm talking about vanilla, vanilla eyes. eyes. Uh, so, I am going to. I found a link to Danny Rubin's official site where he may have answered this question. This is riveting. Okay, sorry. Well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I thought it might actually be interesting to find out. So, Rain right. reckons 30 to 40 years. What is. 
This is a, purportedly from Danny Rubin. Allow me to jump in here. Hi, everyone. As mentioned above, my original intent that Phil would live longer than a single lifetime. That was the point of the original script, to see how a person might change if he lived longer than one lifetime. Mm. It was always about a man who could not escape life. The studio felt that the loop shouldn't last longer than two weeks. They were afraid the audience would freak out if it lasted any longer. Because my bookcase calendar, also mentioned above, was a specific record of passing time, Harold chose to remove it from the script and that any way he could tell the studio it lasted two weeks or whatever, no one could point to anything in the script that contradicted that. This explains why the length of Phil's incarceration still strikes so many as a mystery. It was designed to be a mystery. Still, the sensibility of the characters as they progressed, I think, required a guiding clock, and Harold provided that. His sense was that it lasted about 10 years, and I think the movie reflects that sensibility. Still, I think it's fun the way people keep guessing and counting and arguing. My answer shouldn't discourage that pursuit. Whoever said that I know what I'm talking about anyhow. Okay. You're getting emotional. I am getting emotional. <laughs> I like that. Oh, well, anyway. like. So he's saying, but when he says it's meant to be more than one lifetime, yeah. is that mean, say, double his life? Or, I mean, how long is that? Like 50 years? I mean, does that, like, once you pass into a second life, I just say the first one, he caps him out at 80. So just say, what, well, he's 40 when it happens. So is 50 years more than one lifetime? Because he would have died at 80, then he gets 10 more years. All right. This I found. This is what I love about the internet. Yeah. I found someone who's gone through the movie and based on the movie tried to work out how long everything would take to do. Wow. Wow. So stage one, days shown on screen. The first stage is to work out how many separate days are shown on screen during the movie. So here's a good old-fashioned list of them. Uh, all right, here we go. Day one, Groundhog Day. Day two, the first repetition. Day three, the fixed pencil. Day four, punching Ned. Day five, deceiving Nancy. Day six, robbing the bank. Day seven, seeing Heidi 2 with a French maid. Uh, Days eight to 12, engineering the near perfect date. Uh, Day 13, the bad perfect date. Days 14 to 21, one for every slap. Day 22, Phil, you look terrible. Day 23, Jeopardy. Day 24, this is pitiful. Day 25 to 27, breaking the alarm clock. Day 28, kidnapping Punxsutawney Phil. Uh, Day 29 to 31, Phil's suicides. Day 32, I'm a god. Day 33 to 35, first piano lessons. Day 36, sexually harassing Ned. Day 37, looking after the homeless man. Day 38, the final Groundhog Day. So there's 38 days that are just literally depicted on the screen. So how do they know that some of those events didn't happen on the same day though? Well, because each, you know, there's the reset. Like, oh, you know, right. oh, okay, so, so it's literally from when the yeah. the clock resets. Yeah, he gets right. slapped three times. You know that, like, yeah. each of those is a different day that he's made a different mistake. Oh, okay. You know, like, okay. so. All, all right. right. So how do you extrapolate from that? Stage two, days mentioned. Electrocution, we saw it's up there on the list, but the other six account for an. Ad- okay, so he's how many days? Oh, there's actually a lot of detail here. I don't know if we can go through this, <laughs> but anyway, at the end of this, he's up to four hundred and fifty-two. Oh, no, actually, let's read a little bit of this. Uh, Okay. Electrocution. This is one of the quotes. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Electrocution we saw. See, it's up there on the list. But the other six account for an additional six days. There you go, see? Assuming they weren't on the same day, which brings us to the running total up to 44 days. This is how he's doing it now, right? Okay, that's good. Uh, then that isn't factoring the numbers of the days of perpetuation that it would take to force a man who was already thoroughly depressed to attempt suicide. Delicate matter, but since Phil is an entirely self-centered man trapped in his own idea of hell and surrounded by hicks, you'd have to wager that normal circumstances wouldn't apply. If it were me, a month would be more than enough time to drive me to despair. Yeah. And I'd say that Phil Connors was at least self-aware as I am. If not more given that he gives up living by their rules on day three. So let's factor in 20 more days that is a at this point. huge leap. What do you he's, mean? Well, he's basically assuming mental state. Right. That he said, I mean, you'd Well, wanna, he's guessing. He has the guess. You would want to look at like uh, Guantanamo Bay inmates to see how right. long it would take So it could be years. To, it could actually be like yeah, much like, more. You know, so he's being I mean, very, if you or I, he's being I mean, modest. If, you or I, if, if you were trapped in a shopping center in the worst part of town, I reckon you would go crazy in two days. <laughs> I could probably last a few months. I think I've got a bit more of a tolerance for torture than you do. <laughs> two days? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't reckon you'd last very long. I don't think you'd make a month. Here's what I think I'd be good at Groundhog Day, though. Because I like getting good at stuff. I'd love the time to learn how to yeah, play no, the piano the or whatever. The point of it is 
it's a place he hates with people he hates. How quick would it? Ta- how quickly would you be able to ignore that and get over the people you have to deal with and change your attitude and start enjoying life? Because that's the lesson of Groundhog Day. Oh, that's a lesson. <laughs> I thought the lesson was if you really want to get good at piano, <laughs> if you want to have sex with a girl. All right, so he's saying, well, he guesses it's now up to 64 days. Yeah. Then there's the scene where Connors tells Rita exactly how long it would take to learn expertly throwing playing cards into an upturned hat. Six months, four to five hours a day, and you'd be an expert. That's what he says, right? Really? Yeah. So that's six months added to the 62 days, bringing the running total to 244 days. Okay. Okay. Taking a month is 30 days. The insightful quotes don't stop there. Next up is the scene where Phil takes a companion in a French maid outfit to see Heidi 2 at the local cinema and teasingly says, it's like I said, I love this film. I've seen it over a hundred times. Okay. It's 200 hours roughly. Right. Who would see the same film twice in the same day, especially when it's Heidi 2? So at least it's another hundred days, right? Yeah. 344 days. That's okay. what we're saying so far. Okay. Add to that two full days of Jeopardy watching to be able to perfectly recite the answers spread over some other days, no doubt, but probably empty days considering Phil's mood at the point of the movie and you have 346 days. Then, of course, there's the diner scene. Just by the way, someone worked this out. That's what I want to point out more than anything. Yeah. Is Well, I mean, to be honest, and now someone's reading it out loud on yeah. the podcast. So. We're, we're reappropriating art like that Pogo guy. Oh, my God. We're so Pogo. <laughs> we're like Pogo squared. We're like Pogo to the next generation. Pogo's so old school. People aren't even interested in Pogo anymore. You had no. a real bounce at the start of this podcast. We're Pogo reloaded. Uh, okay. Then, of course, there's the diner scene in which Phil explains to Rita that he's stuck reliving Groundhog Day and uses his extensive knowledge of the other diners to prove his point. Let's give each person a day, ignoring Nancy, as she's in the original 38 on-screen days, since he clearly knows a lot about them. So that's a day for each of Doris the waitress, Debbie and Fred, Phil the waiter, Gus the ex-sailor, Tom the former coal miner, and Alice the waitress. A day to get to know them. Six additional days bring us to 352 days. So it'd take him six days to get to know these people. Yeah. A day each, minimum. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. And finally, in this section, uh, if you... Oh, Ramona. Uh, odds and pieces mentioned on screen that would have taken some time. Sourcing a Rolls Royce, cowboy outfit in a small town, punks attorney, meeting his French maid companion, discovering the candy store, finding out what Rita likes, Rocky Road, generally oh, learning yeah. everything there is to know about Rita. Conservatively, that's going to be 100 extra days, most of which would be spent in Phil's attempt to find out as much about Rita as possible to give it a perfect day. Keeping up, we're on 452 days already. Okay, then there's learning things. So, let, I'll try to skip through this. Um, there's the big two. Uh, ice sculpture. Uh, Piano. So, they're going to say uh, ice sculpture, uh, 10 years uh, sticking to a traditional five-day-a-week. So, so, he's on to basically 11 and a half years. 4,102 days after he's done the ice sculpture. Sure. Then... Uh, piano, they're saying another 10 and a half years to get that good at piano. Says it to what, 20? So, new running total of 7,935 days. Okay, now, let's uh, flip through. Stage four, day spent learning. Uh, Phil learns, oh, he studied 19th French poetry, he references that. So, now, probably about 12 years, they're saying for that. So we're what? talking well because he he's speaking French and like studying nineteenth century French poetry. So he's now at twelve thousand three hundred fifteen days. Doctor Connors, I want to thank you for fixing Felix's back. He can even help around the house again. Okay, he becomes selfless. Okay, this is a bit more of a leap, leap. But they're going to give him. Uh, all right, let's let's say twenty days to be safe. Okay, all right, yep. Um. All right, so let's get to the final bit because I feel like we've spent enough time on this. <laughs> Stage five, the gesture days. Uh, saving the falling child, say, changing the old lady's tyre, saving Buster, getting a couple of WWF tickets. So he's either got to do that every time or he's got to do it at least on those days. But let's just say minimum 12 days of hard work. Yeah. Which brings us to the total of 12,395 days. And I think that's been conservative on their estimates, which is 33 years and 350 days. So he's there for like a decent amount of time. Oh, there's no way I'll get good at anything. What do you mean? 
if if I was in Groundhog Day, like if you were trapped in Groundhog Day, what was the first? All the, thing and that I, you like if, to... if the motivation was to pick the girl up, and you know, and say so I would not be learning French and you know, nineteenth century poetry or anything like that. I would just be um, eavesdropping on all the conversations with their friends to learn out embarrassing information about her, so I could blackmail into going out with me much faster. Really? <laughs> oh, reminder. Seriously. It's terrible. Hang on, we're going to have to have a break just for a second Exhausting. so I can put my computer away and stop okay. smelling Ramona. I'll listen to the elevator music. We've had our break. We should finish up anyway. We're near the uh, end and we, we'll try to get one more in. And now Ramona's outside the door barking. So yeah. uh, if you're Having like- delivered the payload, she's now very wisely exited the room. Right. But now she's just barking on the outside anyway. She's waiting for us to asphyxiate and she's going to come in and eat us. Uh, so I feel like, you know, we've made a good re- return to the podcast. We've recorded one really badly. Yeah. Um, Talked about Batman and time travel. Yeah. And we've uh, just read shit off Wikipedia. So... <laughs> Nothing much has changed. Hey, listen, you don't come here for the new stuff. You want the old classics. Everything has changed. Absolutely nothing has changed. (laughs) This is our version of time travel. (laughs) The show within a show, I don't think you people understand what's going on. We're parodying the very existence of time travel by commenting on time travel inside the show. Exactly. We're We're like a fucking Joss Whedon show. We're the Tadurkins of uh, podcasts. Yeah, we're a a podcast within a podcast. We're like the inception of podcasts, (laughs) which was just a Tadurkin. (laughs) Inception was... Instead of a spinning top at the end, it should have just been a pig stuffed with a rooster stuffed with a chicken. It would have been great if in the South, that's how they sold the movie Inception. Like at some sense, it's like the Tadurk in the movies. It's like a chicken inside a duck inside a cow. What? Okay. All right. Uh, all right. So um, uh, you can uh, look, we haven't plugged Tofop quotes for a while. Uh, there's a Tumblr page where they're still doing heaps of stuff. They always put out big excerpts. So if you're on Tumblr, look up Tofop quotes on Tumblr. And the guys who do that, the uh, girls and guys, the girls, the guys, the girls and guys, whoever it is. <laughs> so we'll stuck in a loop. <laughs> Uh, they, guys, guys and girls. They do such a great job with that. I, I often read through them and I really enjoy reading back. Charlie's currently head-butting Ramona. <laughs> She's <laughs> in my face, dude. Let's get like, out of my grill. She's <laughs> all up in your face. She's all up in my grill, man. Uh, Stop and you headbutted her, and she's really into that. Fuck off! It's <laughs> just standing on my nuts. I should, I should apologise to one of our uh, listeners who very nicely for sent me. You brought this over from the PO box the other day. We yeah. were it's a couple of presents, yeah. and she sent me over. Someone that had sent me like a little Batman doll. Oh. Yeah, that's now Ramona's Batman doll. <laughs> and it's fair to say that Ramona is a dominating Batman in a way that Batman hasn't been dominated since he had his back broken by Bane. Like, she's kicking his fucking ass. I she love loves the, it, though. I love the and idea, thank you very much to I the person the, who said I that. I love the idea that someone sent you a Batman doll. And you said, oh, it's a gift, but you didn't see the note that says, Anderson, shove this up of your Batman-loving ass. <laughs> It's a fluffy doll, but she loves it. So thank you to the person who said that through. Ramona really loves her new doll, and I get to act out, you know, Batman uh, scenes when she's fighting with it. I'm, next time you come round, I'll have a little in a little Bane mask. <laughs> Will's putting his pets in bondage now. I'll have the cats dressed as Selena Kyle. It'll be- <laughs> well, that's you know. That makes your job. When it comes to casting your little home version of Batman, Catwoman is easy. If the guys don't mind playing a girl, that is. They don't mind. They can play. They can cross dress. It'll be fine. Oh, your cats are boys. It's fine, right? mate. They can, well, it's like the old days. It's like Shakespearean times. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, You're crazy people. Uh, so if you like uh, any of the quotes from the show, hit them up on Tofop quotes on Tumblr, or if you're on Twitter, uh, take things out of the show and tag them uh, Tofop quotes. If you want to make things like uh, posters and songs and all those sort of things, we always encourage that stuff. It's really fun, and I'll definitely post it all on the Facebook page and stuff like that. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at his. CX Clawson. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was. I saw the KFCXC and got thrown, yep. but it's CX Clawson. Capital C, capital X, capital C, Lawson. Not Lawson. That's confusing. Just CX. Look, find it somewhere. Just Google my name. Google Charlie Clawson and you'll get my Twitter, I'm pretty sure. If you found this, you'll find him. <laughs> uh, and, you can, and, and of course, um, I. Uh, 
there's uh, other podcasts. Uh, there's the Fofop podcast, but there's also uh, the Willosophy podcast. If you could check those out and uh that would be absolutely fantastic and if you could rate us uh on itunes uh wherever you listen and whatever itunes if you listen on itunes or in on anything else that you listen if you can rate the podcast that's always fantastic yep you can see me on home and away monday to thursdays i can't see you that's a, that's a tip the tip though i can't hey, see huh? you back so don't talk to the tv because I, I can't hear you back can you can, you can see them but you can't hear them no, I can't see or hear anyone. What do you mean? Well, if you're watching me on the TV, don't talk to the TV expecting I can hear you because I can't. I can see everyone when I'm hosting my show. What? They must have different cameras at the ABC. <laughs> I guess because we're the national broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get to... Better equipment. Yeah, when everyone signs up, the cameras go two ways. <laughs> oh my God, that would be so confronting. Can you imagine if like I was looking down the barrel of the camera you and all I could audience. see was everyone at home? But would it be like, you know, when you're on stage and you can't really see the audience because the lights are in your eyes, would this be the same kind of thing where they'd be sort of in shadow? Because I could handle that. Right. But I couldn't handle it if it was like... Like they were testifying on a current affair or something? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's finish up. Okay. Uh, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>